back to episode three, three. of Around the World in 80 Days with Unclassical. I'm Marsha. I'm Katie. <laughs> I just thought I'd do a little aria, don't know. I just wanted to be a singer. We seem to have lost it with our intro at the moment, like... As if we ever had it. Yeah, well, bold to assume we ever had it. Oh. Do you remember where we left things last time? Oh, yes. Um, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Passapoton mm. had uh, rescued the lady. Ayuda. Uh, Ayuda. Mm. Um, by pretending to be her dead husband and just yep. walking out with her and everyone was like, I'm a dad. Like, oh, let's get out of here, guys. <laughs> let's get <go> <laughs> To which they all ran off being like going. Yeah. And... Fog, what was it he did? Oh, yeah, he, it wasn't bravely, he generously. Generously, a lot of generous. Yeah, he generously yeah. decided that, you know, letting um, an innocent woman die, which he could make avoidable, was very generous of him. Yeah, yeah, it was so, very generous. Yeah, and so, it cost him, like, some of his very precious time on this massive journey that he's undertaking, which, you know, is purely just for his own benefit and to nothing else. his own ego, really. Yeah, so yeah. he generously gave some of that yeah. time to save someone's life, generously. He's a bit of a knob, really, isn't he? He's very generous with his time. <laughs> so, yes, we join them again and the rescue plan has come together and all wonderful, wonderful. Did Fog get the praise for it? Because it was definitely Passepartout. As for the young lady, so she's still like unconscious, she had not been aware of what had happened. Wrapped in travel rugs, she was resting in one of the baskets. She is object, just as women should be. Yes, yes. These fanatics were to be found over the whole of the subcontinent, and it was certain that despite the best efforts of the British police, they would succeed oh. in recapturing their victim, whether it be in Madras, Bombay or Calcutta. To back up this argument, Sir Francis quoted a similar recent case in his opinion, the young woman would only really be safe once she had left India. So you asked me, does Passepartout get any credit? He does. Apparently not in this bit. Later. I think there's a bit where, I'll probably go into it in a bit, but apparently it's not Cromarty, Cromarty. So Cromarty is like, and Phileas Fogg was so brave saying we should rescue you. And Phileas is like, not at all. And Passepartout was the real hero. Yes. And Passepartout's like, not at all. Little, but also yes. Yes, also yes. So family. Also call me John. Yeah, John. It's John. It's very easy. It's much easier to say than Passepartout. <laughs> so Phileas Fogg, when they're like, she should get out of India, otherwise she'll just get recaptured and burnt. Phileas Fogg replied that he would take account of these remarks and would then make up his mind accordingly. Like, I'll decide what to do with her. Should we ask? Ask her? Like, who put you in charge? Yeah. Just because she's a woman near you doesn't mean you own her. Yeah, like if you say, oh, I think it'd be best for you to stay in India, even if you're like, oh, I fucking seebs, I didn't sign up for this, just sort of say, yo, you good? See ya. Yeah. And also, <laughs> I've just thought, I'm bored with you now, I'm going to kick you off the <laughs> <Yeah>. elephant. <laughs> Get out of here. Get off my elephant. <laughs> at about 10 o'clock, the guide announced that they had arrived at the station of Allahabad. Allahabad. Whatever. Allahabad. Uh, this is where the rail... Allahabad. That's fun to say. Allahabad. This Allahabad. was where the railway line picked up again and from where the trains took less than a day and a night to cover the distance between Allahabad and Calcutta. Phileas Fogg should therefore arrive in time to catch a steamer that didn't leave for Hong Kong until midday the following day, 25th of October. Guys, I know I'm not really going into like this time, this amount of time. The essence, I will tell you when they're running late and I'll tell you when they're baller for time, okay? Where are they now? India. No, I mean like for time. Oh, <laughs> they're all right. I know they're in India. Yeah, that's why I was like, 
You're right. <laughs> Andrea, keep up, Katie. Come on. Yeah. They're okay. They're kind of like at the moment on it. They're they're on time. They're on time. Yeah, they're, they'll be okay. So yeah, they should arrive in time to catch the steamer. So they should get there by midday. It should be all right. Uh, they installed the young woman in a waiting room. Installed. I know it's, it's weird. so objectifying. I mean. Yeah, it is. I was going to say it's translated, but even if it's translated, you still made a choice by using the word yeah. installed. They installed the young woman in a waiting room at the station. Passpartout was given the task of going out to buy her various items of clothing, a dress, a shawl, furs, etc. Whatever he could find, his master set no limit on how much he could spend. Make it rain, make, make it, it rain. rain. <laughs> so, also, though, like... Just she's to, still unconscious. She's still unconscious. This is, this is kidnap. Um, <laughs> albeit kidnap for kinder reasons than what she was going in for. Yeah. But, this kind of rescue is still a kidnapping. Oh, yeah, yeah. She should. I mean, I can't really remember, actually. But um, she should wake up distressed. Yes, she should be freaked out. Like, these yeah. strange men like, we've rescued you. And we've also put you on a ship to you're somewhere you've never been before. Train, but yeah. A same train. diff. We've also kidnapped you and taken you away from your home country. Mm-hmm. I know she has to leave her home country, but still, the yeah. essence is scary. It is. Men are scary. Men are Ooh, scary. Mrs. Ayuda was beginning to come round. Oh, also, um, I read somewhere, but the fact that they call her Mrs. Ayuda is meant to make us think like, oh, Mrs., that's quite British. Good. Because the Ayuda bit, ugh, foreign, strange, scary, maybe, you know. Mrs. Ayuda. Mrs. 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 Also okay. married. Yes, exactly. More respectable. We, 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 can, we can deal with this. We, we we won't immediately like we just immediately beat her for being a slut. Her. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, idea's still there. Yeah, she we'll still think about her in the tub later. <laughs> we can respect her enough to objectify her for our own sexual gratification. Yes, but not completely destroy her. Yes, yet. Yeah. unless unless she you know stops being as like respectable and British. Yes, exactly. because that would make her. A in which case, we'll drop Iuda like it's fucking hot. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Ayuda was beginning to come round. The effect of the drug administered by the priests of Pelagi was gradually wearing off, and her beautiful eyes were recovering all their gentle Indian charm. Okay. You're so excited. You're so excited. Where are you from? You're so excited. And it's like, it's not threatening. It's so gentle. gentle. Did you notice that that eye got stuck? I was just opening my eyes, guys, and one of them got stuck. (laughs) And I just was like, and did you notice it's gentle? You look like a fucking dog. I'm wrong. (laughs) Also, because of our um, recording setup today, we're we're in little boxes. Um, It looks like you're like a proper doll in your box ready to be sold. No one's buying you, you're fucked. No one's buying you. They want creepy fortune doll. (laughs) I was going to say, well, you look like a creepy fortune teller. Do your bit. What do you want? (laughs) I want your fortune. You're not racist. I don't know. Stereotype. You're a stereotype. You're the fortune teller. I I am a stereotype of mm. basic white girl. I don't think I'm. Uh, no, I yeah. think I'm granny core stereotype. Granny core. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I realized as I said it back, I was like, oh, she means granny core. I heard granil core. So I, I, I'm like granola. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I did it with the questioning inflection, even though I kind of answered what you said. Granny core, yes, yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm granola. You know, nobody really wants you, but if it's in the cupboard and you're hungry, it'll do. Yeah, it'll do. It'll do. A little cardboardy. Mm. People buy it when they want to be healthy. But it's not even it, that healthy. It's not even that healthy. But yeah. it, you might as well have cocoa pops and have a better time. But people yeah. think you're healthier, but no one wants you. There is like some granola though that's like covered in honey and it's all the fats to bring it together. That's fucking good. I like ones with um, dried strawberries in. Mm, mm, yeah, but country crisp. Like, 
that's too sweet for me, actually. That's too sweet. That's too sweet. Yeah, it is sweet, yeah. All right. Anyway, this isn't, this isn't the cereal podcast. <laughs> we could start that, though. Oh, the ASMR of people eating cereal. No, illegal. And not to mug off other um, podcasters, but do you remember? What's your favourite cereal? Oh, I'd, um, I'd have to say Weetabix. I mean, I'm an Olympian. Oh, I... You could ask me about that, but whatever. But... Why is Weetabix your favourite cereal? I mean... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I would say what they were called, but I actually don't remember. (laughs) Boring cereal hour. Yeah, exactly. All right, celebrating the beauty of the Queen of Ahmadinejad, uh, the poet king Yusuf Adil wrote as follows. So this is about Ayuda and describing her beauty um, because, yeah, she married this kind of king guy. So this is what they said. Okay. It's gross. (laughs) (laughs) Yummy. Yummy. Her glistening hair, carefully parted, frames the gently flowing outline of her delicate white cheeks. So again... Thank God for that! Thank God she's white and delicate. Well, if she wasn't hot and white, what would we... We'd have to kill her. That gleam with a smooth sheen. Her eyebrows, dark as ebony, have the shape and strength of the bow of karma, the god of love. Her her eyebrows lift weights. (laughs) Apparently. Uh, And beneath her silky long eyelashes. Gross. I mean, there has to be some stiffness in the eyelashes. Otherwise, it's just gross. Slapping around. (laughs) You imagine that. Constantly have it in your eye. Like, oh, look gross. It looks so creepy. (laughs) Wish you a giraffe. (laughs) In the dark pupils of her large, clear eyes, there shimmer as in sacred lakes of the Himalayas. The purest reflections of celestial light. Her delicate, perfect white teeth shine out between smiling lips, like dewdrops in the half closed cups of a pomegranate flower. Her dainty, perfectly shaped ears, her rose red hands, her tiny feet. So she's got tiny, little perfect ears, red hands. <laughs> You want to put some sun cream on those, sweetie, if you're that pale in India. Her her rose-red hands, her tiny feet, rounded and delicate like lotus buds, sparkle like the finest Ceylon pearl. She's a vampire? But just her feet. She's got sparkly feet. She's got vampire feet. Does that mean she can run really fast? Why don't she outrun the attacker? (laughs) Why don't you just fucking run like you? You're so fast on your sparkle feet. (laughs) Why don't you just sparkle feet at her? And her most dazzling Golconda diamonds. Her slender, supple waist, which a single hand could enclasp. Gross. What? No. My single hand can't enclasp a newborn baby's waist. I'm going to say it can't go around my boob. No, it can't. In, in clasp, I've just closed my hand, guys, so I've made about a circle. An inch. That no. Even if you've got big hands. No. Like Are they talking about the elephant's hat? <laughs> Did the elephant stamp on her waist? And swivel like, it. It's the fact, guys, I'm holding a wine glass right now. I can't enclose my hand around it. Like, no. Like does this man know what women and hands look like? I also, why do I have like the perfect things to demonstrate this? I also have a champagne glass flute. I still can't quite do it. I will say, as my hands aren't the biggest, maybe some people could do it around a champagne flute. Katie, has anyone got a waist that fucking size? <gasps> well, not fat people. <laughs> you, you've got to want it and work for it. Yeah, that, that's, that's not that's, attractive. That's not a thing. That's a doll. That's a creepy just, one at that. That's just someone who's been... 
I was going to say decapitated, but not quite decapitated, but cut in half. And yeah. Then there's a gap between them where you can put a champagne flute. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's not a That's just a spine. Oh, wait for it. So, which a single hand could enclasp sets off the... It's el- also quite threatening, just the description. Like, it's the things like a slender neck that could, um, would fit his hand mm. around. It's that kind of thing. You're like, yeah. nah, what, but, stop trying to... Stop being so grabby, goblin. Goblin. <laughs> sets off the elegant curve of her back and the fulsomeness of her bosom. So she's still got big tits. Don't worry, worry, though. She's skinny, but big tits. So don't worry, lads. We want to fuck her. Yeah. Which the flowering of youth spreads forth. Oh, but don't worry. She's still a baby. Yeah. In its most perfect treasures. Little girl's boobs. Lovely. I love it. I love it when I see little girls and they have, like, big boobs. It just really gets me turned on, you know? Like, especially when they're little girls, you know? Not just women having boobs. Specialises specifically little girls. <laughs> it's also just about like, man, why are you writing this and outing yourself? How embarrassing. Yeah. And beneath the silken folds of her garments, she seems as if crafted in pure silver by the divine hand of Viscoama, the sculptor of the gods. Just treasure belonging to another youth. It's just all gross. It's all so. It's gross. just gross. This is really, really gross. And also just that intense detail, like... And she's got a champagne flute! (laughs) In class, do they... Can in class just mean you can put a hand... You can put a hand on anyone's waist with consent. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, I'm pretty sure you've all been riding this elephant. You've had hands on his waist for a while. Do they mean... I mean, still obviously crazy small, but if you had big hands and both your hands going around... It says a single hand. Well, that's... Nothing then. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, because I can understand that if you're very, very thin still, but... We have, like, a fake... Does it just mean, like, in in, like... That's what I mean, just, like, hold. But in which case... I mean, mean, they've been holding the elephant's waist for this whole journey. Yeah, maybe it's cute. Maybe it's pretty. (laughs) No! (laughs) Fat phobia, just like... And she's so skinny. And so are she's... Right. And she can boobly boob. <laughs> Putting aside these rhetorical flourishes, it is enough to say that Mrs. Ayuda. It's very rhetorical in that sense. I, I don't know. Let's see what it says. Was a charming woman in the full European sense of the word. But don't worry, guys. She is white. Just to reiterate again, this one is less foreign and therefore we can like her. It's so bad. Like, it's just she's European like, pretty. It's the fact that they're like saying, don't worry. They literally are saying, don't worry, she's not too Indian looking. She's not too she's Indian. not too foreign. You, you can fantasize about her white lads, don't worry. <sighs> it's, it's disgusting. Uh, she spoke perfect English. Oh, I'm glad. Oh, thank God. Imagine if we, the British, had to learn another language. How savage. And the guide had certainly not been exaggerating when he said that this young Parsi woman had been transformed by her education. It's like, imagine if she hadn't been educated. You'd have oh, been a fucking dog love. She'd have been so, like, ugly, like, not speaking English. Like, yeah. she'd have just been, like, a kind of pretty but, like, exotic yeah. thing. Yes. She wouldn't have been a person. No. She wouldn't have been a beautiful person yeah. that we want to fuck. You she'd are have just been an so object. lucky that you've been educated in the British in way, the British sweetie. Way. Yes, yes. yes. yes doors gonna... were really open for you. Yeah. And behind I mean, those doors... changing your name, though, it's a bit you know uh, exotic and foreign yeah, and people exactly. won't like that what about rebecca <laughs> behind those doors though there will be beds where the men would fuck you yeah, and if you yeah. look up there'll be a glass ceiling there shall be a glass ceiling. enjoy <laughs> darling enjoy. Enjoy. you're gonna put me in conservatories <laughs> well they're nice in the, in the british summertime they're lovely sweetie 
Cause an orangery. Orange. An orangery. Orange. orange. Imagine you have an orange in your mouth as you say. Orange. Orange. But because she's Englishly, Englishly educated. She's like, I know what an orange is. Yeah, she was like, I think you'll find an orangery. They're like, oh, I'm hard. Orange indeed. So they give the guy have an orange. An orange. So they give the guide the elephant who's like buzzing because that's basically like, who wants to be a millionaire? Boom, you've. You Who know. wants to be an elephant master? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's countdown. Okay. That's something like it wants yeah. to be a millionaire. Uh, it does have a diddle doo. It does, yeah, when all the lights go down. Diddle doo. Diddle Yeah. Yeah, I I was talking about who wants to be a millionaire last night, and I said something about Chris um, presenting it, and then I had like the thing wrong, and I was like, oh, I've not seen it for ages, and David was like, that's apparent because Jeremy Clarkson's presented <gasps> it for like a million years. Yeah! And I was like, oh, I don't fucking know. I do, I do feel Jeremy Clarkson shouldn't be allowed on telly. Yeah, she shouldn't be allowed. Too Tory and terrible. <laughs> Instead of Hagrid, too tall to be allowed, too Tory to be allowed. Oh my, oh my God, if we do get a liberal, uh, liberal government, can we please introduce that as a thing? You're too Tory to be allowed. <laughs> he really was too Tory to be allowed. I would, I mean, I'd fully back he that. He came in with red chinos. He was too Tory to be allowed. And a tweed jacket. Like, no. Yeah. And an unconvincing comb over. <laughs> yeah. And a ruddy complexion, yeah. too much alcohol consumption. I know, you're too Tory yeah. to be allowed. So they, yeah, give the guide Stampy the elephant. They get off the train and speed off. Um, sorry, they get on the train. <laughs> like, guys, get the fuck back get on the there. Back up. <laughs> so they get on the train, they speed off. And uh, during the journey, Ayuda comes around completely and they catch her up and she's very grateful. I think that's the bit where he's like, oh, yeah, Phileas Fogg was BG, everyone was BG. And they're like, off and because she's written by a man, she's like, oh, my heroes, you see. Saved me. I'm not at all worried about being alone with strange men. Well, after that, because she's like, oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But she's still a bit worried. Then as her, as her thoughts returned to the scene of the sati, and as she looked out again on the land of India, where so many dangers still awaited her, she suddenly shuddered with fear. Phileas Fogg realised what was going through Mrs. Ayuda's mind. And to reassure her, he offered, albeit without showing any sign of emotion, to accompany her to Hong Kong, where she would stay until this whole business died down. Why do I don't want to go to Hong Kong? <laughs> Mrs. Ayuda gratefully accepted the offer. It was in Hong Kong, in fact, that one of her relatives lived, a Parsi like her, and one of the most important merchants in the city, which is thoroughly English, yeah. Thank e- God. Even though it is off the coast of China. Oh, disgusting. But don't worry, it's thoroughly English. Thoroughly English. Uh, so Francis... Cromarty. Um Cromarty for everyone that was loyal to our last episode. Uh, he parts ways when they Cromarty get off the train. Cromarty does sound more English. Apparently it's Irish. Cromarty. Cromarty. Didn't know that sounded Crom- Irish. Cro- what, what were we saying before? Cromarty? Yeah, that sounded Italian. Cromarty. Cromarty. Come here, Cromarty. Cromarty. Cromarty does sound Italian. Cromarty. Uh, so, so Francis Cromarty. Francis Cromarty. Yeah, it's quite Irish. <laughs> Cromarty. Sounds more Scottish. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Francis Cromarty. I'm sorry, guys, I've got to do an access phrase. Top of the morning to you. Hello, I'm Francis Cromarty. Francis Cromarty at your service. There you go. That's a bit Cromarty. But he also be, could yeah. be Cromarty, I feel. Cromarty's yeah. quite Irish. It is actually, yeah. I think it's actually more Irish. Yeah, and Cromarty's more Scottish. More Scottish. I will tell my uh, Scottish boyfriend with Irish relatives. I was like, 
You're wrong. But do you know what? what? He fucking said I was wrong. Um, I was looking at a... I'm like, well, you were. <laughs> no, no. Well, yeah, about that. But no, I was looking at a menu last night. Yes, David, I'm outing you. And I wanted the vegan burger, but I didn't want the shit vegan cheese. What a real cheese. Um, and they had goat's cheese on another burger. Sexy. So I was like, can I swap the vegan cheese for the goat's cheese? And um, so I was like saying, I think that's what I'm going to do. And he was like, I think the cheese is normal cheese and i was like no it's a vegan burger and he was like no 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 it just says vg and i was like vg means vegan and he was like no and i was like v means vegetarian and then he was like no vgo means vegan and i was like no that means vegan option available and he didn't like glance at the key at the bottom and was like oh yeah and i was like are you telling me as someone who's been veggie vegetarian. like pretty much vegetarian their entire life how a veggie menu works i fucking know what i'm doing I know how to order off the veggie vegan menu uh, exactly and i know how to order the vegan burger <laughs> with real cheese exactly and i was like and do you really think they'd have the vegan burger with real cheese on it then it's not a fucking vegan <laughs> they would if they were on that episode of come dine with me with that prickish oh, guy yeah he would yeah, yeah. he'd yeah. Just shove some cheese in there he so would. anyway cromity is um off at the next station see ya bye (laughs) Bye. that was exciting and somewhat traumatic (laughs) this must be in the ganges hindus of both sexes were ritually purifying themselves faithful followers of the religion of brahma who is incarnated in three forms vishnu the sun god shiva the divine personification of the forces of nature and brahma that's a good beer. Sorry. Uh, the supreme ruler of priests and lawgivers. But what could Brahma, Shiva and Vishnu be thinking of now? Britannicized India that they looked on mm. from above as a steamboat shrilly chugged past, disturbing the holy waters of the Ganges and scaring away the gulls that flew over its surface. So, yeah, they're on a steamboat and like going through everyone, like, you know, doing their religious things. And they're like, oh, Britain! Britain! My British things, my British things. If I say Britticide, as in like homicide, yeah. homicide, that kind of way, does that suggest like, because femicide is like the killing of women. Mm. Um, so Britticide, does that suggest that it's the Brits getting killed? Because I feel like we've Britticized areas of the world. Well, colonised, that's the word. Yeah. That's, that's the word I want to use. I just wanted to make a new one. Yeah, I just wanted <laughs> to do a new one. Just wanted to, just wanted to create Never mind. The word I wanted was colonised. It was there for me, for the taking. I also didn't say Britticide. I said Britticised. I know, but it put me on a train of thought. <laughs> so you've just come full circle back around to Britticide. Britticised. Oh, I can't say it. Anyway. So yeah, industry crapping all on religion and tradition. Uh, there's this um, manufacturing town and there's chugging smoke everywhere and they're just like... Oh, I don't think this is what the gods had in mind when they thought the Ganges were going to be all, like, holy and nice, did, is it? No. No, no, it's no. It's almost like the British don't care about things yeah, like that. Yeah, almost. It like doesn't fit into their agenda, no. therefore it's not allowed. It doesn't make money. Therefore it's evil. Unless you make it Catholic. Oh, they do <laughs> love making things Catholic. <laughs> that is like their bread and butter. Until you want to get divorced. And then Church of England, Church of England. So finally, at seven o'clock in the morning, they reached Calcutta. The steamer bound for Hong Kong was not due to sail until midday. Phileas Fogg therefore had five hours in front of him. So we're doing all right. According to his travel plan, the gentleman had been due to arrive in the Indian capital on the 25th of October, 23 days after leaving London, and he had arrived on the appointed day. Brilliant. 
brilliant. So he was neither behind nor ahead of schedule. I already said this, Jules Verne. Unfortunately, the two days he had gained between London and Bombay had been lost because of this fucking Ayuda pain in the arse. Just saying, um, um, it wasn't two days though. He spent twelve hours trying to get Ayuda. Oh saying. yeah, just, just, saying. just saying. You can't just blame you can't blame it all. On to be Ayuda. fair, he had been lost um, crossing India, so I'm guessing. Just bung it all together. That fucking train journey. That was like, it ends halfway, didn't <laughs> yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> However, it can be safely assumed that Phileas Fogg did not regret them. Like, the, what caused the delays. Because okay. now he's got an Iuda. Gross. Gross. If they get married at the end, I'm going to be annoyed. <laughs> so, eh, the train had stopped at the station. Good. <laughs> Just as Mr. Fogg was about to leave the station, a policeman came up to him and said, Mr. Phileas Fogg, Yes. Is this man your servant? Added the policeman, pointing to Passepartout. Yes. Would you both follow me, please? Mr. Fogg did not portray the least sign of surprise. Ooh. So um, they go off with the policeman and they bring Ayuda to. Passepartout is really worried because they've been led away that uh, they're going to miss the boat that leaves at midday because they've got five hours, but, you know, stuff with the police takes and ages. Also, his watch probably saying like five years. Yeah, something. that's true. But surprise, surprise, Fog's really chill. So they go to a courtroom and three priests walk in and they are like, oh, those are the priests that were trying to sacrifice Ayuda. They're basically saying, like, we stole their religious property Property. don't go messing in our business well fuck you you can't be murdering people you know yeah so yes my lord replied mr fogg looking at his watch and i plead guilty guilty to kidnapping iuda because he's like well lord you're gonna kill her ah you plead guilty i plead guilty to the charge and i expect that these three priests to plead guilty in turn to what they attempted to do at the temple of pelagi the priests looked at one another they didn't seem to understand a word of what the accused was talking about Certainly, exclaimed Passepartout impetuously, at the temple of Pelagi, in front of which they were about to burn their victim. The priest looked even more mystified and the judge extremely surprised. What victim, he asked. Burning who? In the middle of Bombay. Bombay? cried out Passepartout. Mm-hmm. Certainly, it's got nothing to do with the temple at Pelagi, but the temple at Malabar Hill in Bombay. And as evidence of his guilt, here are the shoes used by the perpetrator of that act of desecration, added the clerk, placing a pair of shoes on his desk. My shoes, shouted out (laughs) Basmati, who was surprised beyond belief and unable to prevent himself from coming out with this exclamation. Be cool! So basically, they're all hella racist, and they see some other Indian-looking priests, and they're like, "You tried to burn Ayuda? Who the fuck's Ayuda? He bloody besmirched our tent with his shoed feet." Oh yeah, prove it. These are the shoes. My shoes. Yeah. Fuck's sake, pass the two. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so now I mean uh, they're not my shoes. No, they're not mine. So now we find out why Fix didn't get on the train at Bombay. So when he heard that Passepartout had been in the temple with his shoes on, he went to go give the priests legal advice, expecting this to detain Fogg when he got to Calcutta. Yeah, because um, now India want to press charges against them. So to delay him long enough for the arrest warrant to come through, so he can arrest him. Now Fix is in the courtroom and he's watching at the back, just seeing what's going on, and absolutely buzzing. Passepartout is fined £300 and 15 days in prison. And as he is a servant, they say Fogg should bear some of the responsibility and is fined £150 and eight days in prison. No, they're on a schedule. Oh, yeah, it's going to fuck their schedule up, isn't it? Can I do it in, like, 60 days' time? (laughs) Yeah, literally, I'll come back. So Phileas Fogg, as firmly in control of himself... I'll be back in 80 days' time. (laughs) As if the sentence concerned someone else, didn't raise an eyebrow, but just... 
You want to you go back a little bit and do that <laughs> I wonder if that picked it up. I just had a very loud fart, guys. Um, I'm sad yeah. if it didn't pick it up. Uh, well, uh, at least my ass is out of being oh, close space. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but oh. just at this moment, when the clerk was calling the next case up, he rose to his feet and said, I wish to put up bail. So, <laughs> passport is absolutely... Passport? <laughs> See, the past the poo or passport... Passport. <laughs> it's you like such we... a bullying thing at school. Like, what passport? You know how the British are terrible at learning people's slightly <laughs> different names, and so someone will be like, "Oh, my name is." I can't think of an example. Passport. Um. Oh, what's that lady? Jean. What's that lady? That um, comedian's name where everyone's like, "Now shit attack." I don't know. Shit attack. Yeah, she was like, all through school, my name was Shit Attack. <laughs> she's got like an Indian name. And yeah. just like Shit Attack. Yeah. Um, it's exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Passport. 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 Yeah. So he's mortified at being putting up bail. I thought you were going to say being called Passport. <laughs> yeah, he I'm not Passport. I'm Passport too. I mean, Jean. The vaccine. This is why I don't like that name. That's <laughs> why I don't like it. No one has any problem with Jean. Well, I, I have a feeling you're going to get out of this situation. So the name fits Passport too. Yeah. Right. So bail is set at a thousand pounds each and fog says he'll pay the two thousand there's this thing that if he goes to prison he will get the money back but he's like well lol joke not going to prison yeah. <laughs> and, um, so yeah he uh pulls out his bag starts paying uh fix is absolutely fucking fuming he's like what the fuck he's gonna get away fog's super chill and he doesn't even have his ticket officer mate to con yeah phileas fog had already used up more than five thousand pounds to get this far and the proportion of the amount recovered which would go to the detectives was getting smaller all the time so um there is an award for whoever like catches the person that's stolen the money from the bank yeah and it must be a proportion of the money that they when they get it back so because fix thinks fog splashing the cash he's like that's my reward money Stop it! Yeah. I want that. Which I think is kind of corrupt because he's still like profiting from yeah. stolen funds. Yeah. I'm like, isn't this Kinda just makes your you job? seem a little shady, fix. Yeah, a little bit just shady. Fix it to be this way. Yeah. Fix. Mr. Fix it or don't. So, break it. <laughs> so now they're en route to Hong Kong, pay bail and everything. And this is the last British possession. So the last place Fix will have jurisdiction. So it's like his last chance to catch fog. So the stakes be high. Once mm. he leaves Hong Kong, it's just if he goes back to England, he's going to have to like catch up with him there. But he yeah. d- probably thinks he's going to give him the slip before that point. So pass to Australia. So pass two as always is just sort of like you know milling about, and he meets up with Fix regularly on the ship that's heading to Hong Kong. Then they stop in Singapore. Hordes of lively grinning monkeys roamed around the woods, and there were Hors. probably hordes like zombies, but monkeys <laughs> roams. <laughs> It's like, you know how they've got like, weird collective names for things? Like yeah, a whore of monkeys. <laughs> I would say it's a circus of monkeys. I think it might be. Yeah, yeah. You get a parliament of owls. Yeah. Hordes of lively, grinning monkeys. Sorry, I heard a good one earlier. Yeah. Like, there's not actually a real collective term for this. But someone at the um, thing I was at today was like, I've come up with the term for a group of goths. Yeah. A sulk. Yeah. <laughs> I was like... That is fitting, yeah, a sulk of goths. A murder of crows. Yeah, yeah they are good. Hordes of lively, grinning... <gasps> Will I ever get through this fucking scene? No! 
Um, I can't remember if I had this conversation with you. Like, what would your what would our collective name be for Bevan's? That's our last name. I wasn't a bumble. I ha- I had a mess of Bevan's. Oh, a mess. Of, no, that's better. Yeah. A mess of Bevan's. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, roamed around the woods, and there were probably tigers too in the jungle. Anyone surprised? <laughs> oh my! Anyone surprised at the idea that these terrifying carnivores had not been eliminated on such a relatively um, small island? Um, but um, it's more the tigers. But these animals should be eliminated. Had not been eliminated. Like, how do you have such a big carnivore on this little island? Surely there's not enough for it to feed on. Oh, I see. I was it, like, well, surely we should have killed them all by yeah. now. Um, should realise that they come from Malacca by swimming across the strait. They come from a land down under. <laughs> I just thought it was cool. That's so, cool. Just like that little tiny island, like, the fucking tigers are swimming in! Isn't there like a thing? And there was like someone was stranded, like shipwrecked, and yeah. they had to keep jumping in the water to avoid being shot at by like the enemy fire. But yeah. then sharks get trying to read them. They're like, can this day get any worse? It's um, I think it's called Unbreakable. It's a film, and I yeah, mean, you would feel pretty unbreakable after surviving that. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd feel pretty breakable yeah. right, right after, but well, right after he goes to a Japanese prisoner of war camp. Um, pretty breakable then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, they were trying to like recreate it in the film, and I think they didn't have the sharks attacking him. They were like, it just looks ridiculous. It, like it's almost comical. It looks so bizarre. Yeah. And he was like, well, that's what happened. Well, in this version, you just got shot at, and there was a shark around. I also like in the Revenant when they're like, mm-hmm. we have to give him a reason to go after this guy. Um, what was the, what was your reason? Why did you go through all this struggle, all this pain and torment? Bastard took my gun. <laughs> yeah. I like okay. that gun. Unless he killed your son. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I fell closer to my gun, but whatever. Whatever. <clears throat> so uh, the truth is that ships of the P&O line, which sail the China Seas, have a serious design fault. The ratio between their draft when laden and their depth has been wrongly calculated. And as a result, they lack stability in heavy seas. So basically, <laughs> So basically, they have to go slow because there's a lot of shit on board yeah same so it takes them a minute takes me time so not chugging along as quickly as they maybe would have hooped the entry in Phileas Fogg's travel plan gave the steamer's date of arrival as the 5th, but the ship would not be there until the 6th. That meant that they would be 24 hours late and bound to miss the departure for Yokohama. I mean, this is a modern word. I should be able to say it. How do you say that? Yokohama. It's that place in Japan. You realise when you just read something a lot and you're like, wow, I always assumed I could pronounce that. <laughs> That's me every time we record. Yoko- I'm reading. Yokohama. Is that right? Yokohama. I, I mean, again... I don't know. It's a word Yokohama. I read and assume I know how to pronounce. Yokohama. Yokohama. That sounds right to me. Yokohama. Okay, Yokohama. Um, so what are you going to say now? <laughs> so Mr. Fogg asked the captain uh, in his calm way if he knew when there would be a boat from Hong Kong to Yokohama. Tomorrow on the morning tide, replied the pilot. Oh, said Mr. Fogg without showing any sign of surprise. Oh, sorry. Oh. Um. <laughs> it's really hard to be emotionless. Oh. Passepartout, who was present at this exchange, would have liked to have embraced the pilot. Oh, yeah, they call captains pilots. Whereas Fix would have liked to wring his neck. Nah. <laughs> like, no! What- What's the name of the steamer? asked Mr. Fogg. The Carnatic, replied the pilot. But wasn't it due to leave yesterday? Yes, sir. But it needed repairs to one of its boilers, and so its departure has been put back till tomorrow. So, oh, you lucky buggers. Oh, yeah, cheeky, but you're getting through. You get there, you get there. It's like when you miss your train connection, I mean, literally is, and then you see the train you were going to get on has been delayed, and you're like, oh, 
Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, as it happened, the steamer that did the crossing from Yokohama to San Francisco... Yokohama? Uh, Yokohama from, to San Francisco. Yokohama also sounds right. Yeah, Yokohama. Yeah. Yokohama. I'm going to go for Yokohama. Yokohama to San Francisco was a direct... So British. Yokohama. Yokohama was a direct... Well, I, I can feel my accent wants to say nachos and tacos. So I am very British. I don't say nachos and tacos. I say nachos and... I do say masturbate. (laughs) How often do you say masturbate? Not very often. I I will say masturbate. Masturbate. (laughs) So uh, to San Francisco was a direct connection for the steamer from Hong Kong and it couldn't leave before the latter had arrived. Why didn't you know this? Like... When I'm getting a plane and I'm like, oh, I'm going to miss our connection. Like the I know staff, what the other ideas are like, around it. Other ideas. Other connections are around it. But it's not even that. It, sometimes you get a plane that lands somewhere and then the next plane is a connection for that flight. So mm. it literally won't go because yeah. no one will be on it. Yeah. And that's the same situation with this boat. But they tell you that. You know that. I mean, you do now, but... No, I'm sure, I'm sure the captain knows that. They also told them that the train was going to go all the way to this destination. <laughs> they didn't. That's true. They would be 24 hours behind in reaching Yokoma, but it would be easy to make this time up during the 22 days it took to cross the Pacific. So Phileas Fogg was, give or take, 24 hours on schedule, 35 days after leaving London. Okay. Yeah, give or take. Give or take. Oh, yeah. So basically, they're in Hong Kong now, and Fogg goes out to make inquiries about Ayuda's relatives. So he goes out and just sort of like, yo, I'm looking for this particular Parsi. He's a relative of a woman who's traveling with me. This broker's like, yeah, I do know him. Um, However, he's not lived in China for the past two years, and he's been making his fortune in Europe, and I think he's settled out there, probably Holland, which was understandable given the large number of trading connections he had had with that country during his time here as a businessman. Phileas Fogg went back to the club hotel. He immediately asked Mrs. Ayuda permission to go up and see her, and getting straight to the point he informed her that the honorable Gigi no longer lived in Hong Kong and that he was probably in Holland at first Mrs Ayuda made no reply she put her hand to her forehead and thought for a few moments then she said in that gentle voice of hers what should I do Mr Fogg you are man I will do what you tell me for I am woman I could not decide for myself it's quite simple said the gentleman patronizingly yeah come to Europe but I can't take advantage. You are not taking advantage and your presence will not be a harm to my plans in the least. Passepartout, sir, replied Passepartout. Go along to the Carnatic and reserve three cabins. Passepartout, delighted to be able to continue the journey in the company of the young woman who was so considerate towards him, left the club hotel immediately. There's always this thing that, like, you know, she just kind of treats uh, Passepartout like a human and everyone's like, ah! She's so nice to him, like... You're right there, mate. Oh, she's so nice. <laughs> so, He's all right. It was bang over your side. I got scared. Oh, no, it's me shifting yeah. my seat. So Detective Fix is ashore and um, he's pissed. And so, yeah, obviously. What's he ashore of? Uh, the, the boat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're trying to be a funny. <laughs> uh, you're trying to be funny. It's cute. <laughs> this, this 
That's a cute look on you. <laughs> doesn't quite fit, yeah. but okay. So, um, you try. <laughs> you try, you try. So Fix is really pissed off and Thingy's going to go buy the extra cabins. So the detective really had every reason to curse the appalling bad luck that dogged him. There was still no sign of the warrant. It was obvious that the warrant was still on its way and could only reach him if he stayed put for a few days. Since Hong Kong was indeed the last British territory on the route, this fog fellow would get away once and for all unless he found some way of keeping him here. Mm-hmm. sees Passepartout or buying his slippers I'm a tripping <laughs> pretty much so Passepartout then sees Mr Fix and is like lol because he knows that Passepartout um, is trying to kind of well he has this other theory I'll get he into... knows that Fix is trying to keep him there oh I don't know what I'm saying mm-hmm. anymore uh, so this is Passepartout well then Mr Fix have you made up your mind to come to America with us asked Passepartout yes replied Fix gritting his teeth yes now, now, exclaimed Passepartout in a joyful burst of laughter. I was sure you wouldn't be able to get off like that on your own. Come and book your seat. Come on, come on. So the two men went to the shipping office and booked cabins for four people. But the employee pointed out that as the repairs on the Carnatic had been completed, the steamer would be leaving that evening at eight o'clock. Guys, you've really got to like commit to the times you're telling everyone. Yeah. Like you can't be chopping and changing yeah. like this. Um, at eight o'clock and not the following morning as had been announced very good replied Passepartout that will suit my master and I'll go and tell him at that moment Fix decided on an extreme course of action you can't trip Passepartout that's so mean he would tell Passepartout everything it was perhaps the only way to keep Phileas Fogg in Hong Kong for a few more days (laughs) my child I'm going to do something brash I'm not going to trip him (laughs) no I'm not fucking five in the playground I'm going to tell him the truth Okay. He takes him to an opium bar. They're just like, hey, let's sit down and have a drink. Right. Of all the places, you're just opium bar. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, listen. On the 28th of September, a theft involving £55,000 was committed at the Bank of England by an individual whom we have a description of. That description fits exactly this man, Fogg. Come off it. <laughs> Exclaim. Why? Does it describe a, a man, man when his mid-thirties with brown hair yes exactly so every other man in england yeah no because he's gonna be very rich okay you know uh, a few men in england then okay like 10 percent of men in england yeah quite a big percent (laughs) maybe 20 (laughs) do you know what aristocracy apparently means like what it translates as from the greek what i think it it's the power stays with the best Ew, yeah, that's God. gross. It is gross. What happened to the meekwell and her? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, you know, they deserve that. They've had a real rough time of it. They've had a real rough time of it, they <laughs> uh, So come off it. Uh, banging the table with his hefty fist. My master is the most honest man in the world. How can you tell, replied Fix. You don't even know him. You started to work for him the day you set off and he left in a considerable hurry and a madcap excuse without any luggage and taking with him a large amount of money in banknotes and you still maintain that he's an honest man. Adieu, adieu, said the poor fellow, repeating like a machine. Do you want to be arrested as his accomplice then? Passepartout had his head in his hands. Poor Passepartout. Yeah. He refused to believe his master was guilty. Well then... What do you want from me? He said to the policeman with an extreme effort of self-restraint. Just this, replied Fix. I've trailed this fellow Fogg all this way, but I still haven't received the arrest warrant that I've requested from London. I need you to help me keep him in Hong Kong. 
What? You want me to? Then I'll give you a share of the £2,000 reward put up by the Bank of England. Never, replied Passepartout, who wanted to get up but fell back down, feeling both his wits and his strength deserting him at the same time. <gasps> Mr. <gasps> Fix? He stammered. I'm going to arrest Mr. Fix. You can't drug people. Mm-hmm. You can't roofie Passepartout. That's literally right, but you can't just fucking roofie people, Fix. <laughs> I feel like conductor and the ticket master needs to come back like, hey, hey, no roofies, no roofies. I draw the fucking line there. Even if everything you say is true, even if my master was the thief you're after, I don't believe for a moment. I've worked for him. I still work for him. I know how kind and generous he is. Betray him. Never, no, no, not for all the money in the world. Where I come from, that's just not the sort of thing people go in for. So you refuse? I refuse. Let's just forget everything I've said, replied Fix, and have a drink. Yes, let's have a drink. Passepartout was feeling the effects of the alcohol more and more. Fix realised that he needed to separate him from his master at all costs and wanted to finish the job off. On the table were a few pipes stuffed with opium. Fix slipped one into Passepartout's hand and the latter took it, put it in his mouth, lit it, took a few puffs and fell back, his mind befuddled by the drug. At last, said Fix, seeing Passepartout senseless. This man Fogg won't find out in time about the departure of the Carnatic. And even if he does leave, at least it won't be without his wretched Frenchman. Then he paid the bill and walked out. <gasps> that is Can't- shitty. You can't roofie people. You can't fucking roofie people. It's rude. So while all this is going on, Fog and Iuda are just doing some retail therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Too fat. Lovely. Pretty much. Since Mrs. Iuda had accepted his offer of being taken to Europe, he had to think of the detailed preparations necessary for such a long trip. It was just about acceptable for an English man like himself to travel around the world with only one bag, but it was unthinkable for a woman to undertake such a journey like that, hence the need to buy clothes and other items necessary for the journey. So, bye, bye, bye. And then they go home to the hotel or whatever to bed, and in the morning they get up and head out to get the boat. Mr. Fogg, who had been expecting to find both the steamer and his servant waiting for him, was now in a position of having to do without both. There was no sign of the disappointment visible on his face, and when Mrs. Ayuda looked at him anxiously, he merely replied, It's just a minor problem, madam, nothing more. At that moment, a figure who had been watching him intently came up to him. It was Inspector Fix, who greeted him and said, Are you not, sir, like me, one of the passengers from the Rangoon, which arrived yesterday? Yes, sir, replied Fogg coldly, but I do not have the honour of... Excuse me, but I was expecting to find your servant here. Do you know where he is, sir? Uh, Do you know where he is, sir? Asked the young woman eagerly. What? Answered Fix, pretending to be surprised. Isn't he with you? (laughs) Uh, No, said Mrs. Ayuda. He hasn't reappeared since yesterday evening. Could he have gone off on the Carnatic without us? With... Out you, madame, replied the detective. Pardon me for asking, but were you intending to catch this steamer? Yes, sir. So was I. And as you can see, I'm very disappointed. Boo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> the Carnatic had finished its repairs and it left for Hong Kong 12 hours ago without informing anyone. That was is any- a bad service. Was anyone on it? Yes. Now we'll have to wait a whole week until the next sailing. Fix, you fucking snake. Also, just like, 
Okay, I realize what you did was really annoying. Some fix, but also I want to have a word with the ticket master. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need to fucking have some words, me and My you. Look. <laughs> right. I'm annoyed. I've had it up to fucking here. Traveling around the world in eight days. Also, at oh. this point, be like, can I see your ticket? Well, no, my servant's got them. Where's he? I fucking know. I fucking know. So it is easy to imagine then that the hammer blow he received when he heard Phileas Fogg say in his calm voice, "But the Carnatic's not the only boat, I believe, in Hong in Hong Kong Harbour." In Hong Kong. Would have been better if I hadn't stumbled. Yeah, let me start again. I'm gonna be cool. But the Carnatic's not the only boat, I believe, in Hong Kong Harbour. It's just hard to what? say. Hong Kong Harbour. Hong Kong Harbour. <laughs> it's not the only boat in Hong Kong Harbour. But you really do have to concentrate. Yeah, it's Hong Kong Harbour. Hong Kong Harbour. Hong Kong Harbour. That's why he's so calm. He's like, I have to say things real smooth. And also, it's very easy to start sounding a little bit racist saying that one together. So you have to try really hard. Mm. So Fogg goes out and starts networking. He finds a sailor with a small boat, which still has like a crew, but yeah, yeah. smaller smaller than like a steamer. It's not a real boat. <laughs> Every time you say steamer, I'm just thinking of steaming turd. <laughs> Sailing the seas. <laughs> da, da, da. Um, maybe it's a good thing they didn't get on the steamer. Smelly. I, I am a little steamy turd. I sail across the sea. <laughs> uh, the sailor refuses. He's like, nah, mate, you're all right. Fogg offers bear dollar and the sailor's sort of thinking it over. Meanwhile, Fogg turned towards Mrs. Ayuda and asked her, does this frighten you, madame? Yes. Fucking gross. Not if I'm with you, Mr. Fogg. Uh, <laughs> the young woman replied. Uh, no. <laughs> Why? Like, no, she. What? <laughs> like, sorry, why do men not know how to write women as human beings? I get the pansy. I have a traumatic experience, but I don't care because now it's a nanny. My waist is. I follow you. I follow you. You're here. I mean, okay, there's kind of fat dark straight, but that's exactly the point. My waist is the size of a champagne glass. I can't take straight. I have nothing in me. I haven't eaten in six years. Yeah, literally. It literally is a champagne glass. You can see right through me. So the pilot went up to the gentleman, pilot again, captain, once more and started fidgeting. With, with his cap. Now I'm pretty sure it means the pilot's cap, but I just get an image of him fidgeting with Mr. Fogg's hat. Like, uh, why have you got a bullet hole in that? Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> get it's your my, finger out my hole. That's my hole. It's a very personal hole. <laughs> then, well then, pilot said, Mr. Fogg. Just imagine. Hmm. Well then. Well then. <laughs> your finger in my hole. You gotta give me your boat. Yeah. Well then, Your Honor, replied the pilot, taking his hand off the cap. <laughs> I can't take the risk either with my men myself or you on such a long crossing in a boat that weighs hardly 20 tonnes. And especially at this time of year. In any case, we wouldn't arrive in time because it's 1,650 miles from Hong Kong to Yokohama. Only 1,600, says Mr. Fogg. That makes no difference. Fix breathed again. Okay, we we can't do it. But, added the pilot, Fix. (laughs) Maybe we can come to some other arrangement i see what you were fingering my heart <laughs> yeah fix held his breath <gasps> how asked phileas fogg by going to nagasaki in the far south of japan 1100 miles away or to shanghai which is 800 miles from hong kong if we went the second way we could stay close to the chinese coast which would be a considerable advantage especially as the current runs north 
Pilot, said Phileas Fogg. It's from Yokoma, not Shanghai or Nagasaki, that I've got to catch the American mail boat. Why, replied the pilot. The steamer for San Francisco doesn't start from Yokoma. It puts in at Yokoma and Nagasaki, but its home port is Shanghai. Are you sure what you're saying is correct? Yes, I am. <laughs> We're back in the game, boys. <laughs> so, when does the steamer leave Shanghai? On the 11th at 7 in the morning. So we've got four days ahead of us. Four days makes 96 hours and at an average rate of eight knots if all goes well. With the wind staying in the southwest and a calm sea, we can cover 800 miles between here and Shanghai. When could you set sail? In an hour. Now, I just got to find Passepartout. Yeah. Passepartout out. Yeah. Mrs. Ayuda, quite. She's like, but, but, Passepartout, what are we going to do? Passepartout, what are we going to do? Is he having a poo? Passepartout, did he get stuck in the loo? Passepartout. I don't know where he is. How about you? Fog like, I don't make jokes. You're tiresome. Well, you know when I said you weren't going to be like a strain? I take that back. <laughs> I take that back. When he gets to his room later, <laughs> he allows himself a little salt. A little chuckle. So Fog invites Fix to join them. He's basically like, do you want to make the most of basically standing near me? And Fix is like, sure. <laughs> so, oh, Fix is annoying. Push him overboard. Yeah. Uh, so this is um, Phileas Fogg talking about Passport 2. I shall do all I can for him, replied Phileas Fogg. And so, while Fix went towards the pilot boat in a jittery, feverish... No, fuck off, he'll, like, smack it. <laughs> ...furious state, the other two headed for the main police station in Hong Kong. When they got there, Phileas Fogg gave a description of Passepartout and left enough money to cover the cost of his repatriation, so his return to England. He went through the same formalities Yay! at the French consulate and then the palaquin... Oh, that's a mode of transport. And then the palaquin took the travellers back to the outer harbour after previously stopping at the hotel to pick up the luggage. So, I mean, he's going to lose all his money. That is kind of all you can do. Mm. Like, passport two, I've done all I can for you, mate. I was like, that is kind of fair enough. It is, but it's sad. I like passport two. I, mean, I know. It's sad if he doesn't come with this for the rest of the story. I know. I'd be fucking gutted. He's the best one. So, Fix was feeling somewhat apprehensive because there was still a chance that the unfortunate chap he had treated so shabbily might show up and they w that would lead to an argument in which Fix would have been likely the loser. But the Frenchman did not show up. Doubtless, the overpowering effects of the drug had still not worn off. At no! last, the skipper reached the open sea... <gasps> And as it caught the wind and its spanker <laughs> for wow. sail and jibs, the tankadier leapt forward over the waves. Fuck you, Fix. Fix a fucking cunt. He's also but... just abandoned a human in a yes! country. Like, that's monstrous. That's, that's so not cool. And um, also, Passepartout had, like, spent all his dollar on the tickets. He was given money to go get tickets for the next train. He's not got any money. Yeah. Train, boat. So... Fix is a cunt. Fix is such a fucking cunt. How? Yeah, he's such a prick. So, where the skipper of the tankadier is in serious danger of losing a £200 bonus. So, yeah, Fog's basically like, lol, if you get me there, I'll add an extra 200 obviously. Yeah. So, they be sailing, there is a storm. <laughs> Hence, this is what like the pilot was nervous about. Like, yeah. I told you it was rough out here. Told you it was rough out here. <laughs> Fix was grumbling away, it was true. But the intrepid Mrs... He was showing emotion. <laughs> 
Fix, not fog. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Fix and fog. I know. Mrs. Ayuda kept her eyes firmly fixed on her companion, whose composure she couldn't help admiring and proved oh. herself worthy of him. As she, she gave him a <laughs> As she stood by his side to face the storm. As for Phileas Fogg himself, he made it look as if this typhoon had been part of his plan. Gross. It's also just like the whole thing of like he was very stoic, stoic, yeah. stoic. Doesn't show emotion, doesn't show emotion. Like that's toxic masculinity. Yeah, literally. So this is banter. Uh, the captain is concerned about everyone's safety in this storm. Banter. Yeah, one way. Your Honor, I think it would be advisable to put in at one of the ports along the coast. I think so too, replied Phileas Fogg. Right, said the captain. Which one? I know only of one, Mr. Fogg answered calmly. And that one is? Shanghai, which is where he's taking them. <laughs> For a few moments, the captain did not understand what that reply meant, the obstinacy and tenacity it contained. Then he exclaimed, Well, then, yes, <laughs> your honour is right. Shanghai it is. Right. <laughs> it's just the sass. It is. I agree. I yes, agree. where? Shanghai. It's like, um, literally, if I was driving us down to mum and dad's, like, oh, I think we should stop for a toilet break. Yeah, where? Mum and dad's, you dick, keep driving. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. <laughs> right. Can we stop for a snack? Yes. Where? At home where I don't have to buy you one. Oh. I have my own money. Bullying. <laughs> <laughs> Bullying. Um, so Mrs. Ayuda was exhausted, but she didn't make the slightest complaint. Good. As a woman shouldn't. Yeah. Never complain. But rile your man. Mm. Beach. On more than one occasion, Mr. Fogg had to rush towards her to protect her from the violence of the way. No! Did he, did he rush towards her generously? I think so. I yeah. think so. Thank God for that. Gross. So uh, the daylight comes and the storm dies down. But also, has she decided, like, I do not mind the weather. Like, could you just go in though so I don't have to keep running over here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just have to stand out here like a wet Oh sock. my God, yeah. You can go sit down somewhere you're fucking tits. Yeah, you don't have to be here and be like, I will be stoked too. It's my, it's my brand. <laughs> uh, there was a hundred miles to go and only one day left. Mr. Fogg had to be in Shanghai by that very evening if he was to catch the steamer leaving for Yokohama. Gotta catch that turn. Yeah. Without the storm, which had made him lose several hours, he wouldn't still have been 30 miles from the port. So basically, shit's tight. Yeah. Like, it, is he going to make it? By seven o'clock, they were still three miles from Shanghai. Ah! The captain let out a crude expletive. Fuck it! <laughs> it doesn't I'll say just that. yeet him across onto the next ship. <laughs> he was bound to forfeit the £200 bonus. He looked at Mr Fogg. Mr Fogg was impassive. And yet his whole fortune was at stake at that very moment. At that moment, also a long, black, tapering shape, accompanied by a plume of smoke, appeared in on the waterline. Oh. It was the American steamer, which was leaving on schedule. No! Damn it! exclaimed John Bunsby. He must be the person. Pushing away the helm in a gesture of despair. Send a signal, was all Phileas Fogg said. A small brass cannon was lying on the foredeck of the tankadier. Its purpose was to send signals when visibility was poor. So the cannon was loaded to the muzzle, but just as the captain was going to fire it, Mr Fogg said, pull the flag at half-mast. The flag was duly lowered. It was a distress signal and it was hoped that on seeing it, the American steamer would change its course momentarily and make towards the vessel. Fire, said Mr. Fogg, and the blast from the small cannon rang out. So basically... um, I will delay everybody on that steamer to make my bet. And also, like, pretend we're, like, in mortal peril. I was like, you can't pretend you're, like, dying. You can't cry wolf. Yeah. That's rule one. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, they do. They do that. So uh, now, back to pass 
Pat-toed. Hang on, I've got to move my Pass sticky neck. Pat-toed. Pat-toed. past tense now. <laughs> a few moments after Fixer walked out of the opium den, two attendants had picked up Passepartout, who had fallen into a deep sleep, and laid him out on the bed reserved for the smokers. But three hours later, Passepartout, haunted even in his nightmares by a single idea, woke up struggling against the stupefying effects of the drug. The thought of duty unfulfilled roused him from his torpor. He left his bed for addicts and clinging to the walls, falling then and then getting up again, but all the time driven by a sort of irresistible impulse. He staggered out of the opium den, shouting as if still in a dream, the con, the canatic, the canatic. <laughs> <laughs> so he's basically got a drunk homing instinct. Like, I've got to get home. The carnatic. I've got to fucking get on the carnatic. So now... Those drunk homing instincts do kick in. Mine's really good at taking off makeup, of makeup yeah. and brushing teeth. So now we come to, like, present time, whilst um, Phileas Fogg is um, making his way on his boat. Yeah. Um, Passepartout is on the carnatic. <gasps> he got onto it because he had all the tickets. And basically went into, like, one of his cabins, like, passed out. And then came out and was like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> and he's like... Um, Fog is he here and they're all like no Fog never boarded he's not on the roster no neither's a Mrs. Ayuda or oh, shit. or an Inspector Fix fuck <laughs> this was the moment Passepartout knew he'd fucked up yeah not, his own, not through his fault knew that Fix had fucked him over yeah yeah like if I ever see that man again I'll rip him limb from limb I'll show him how to fix it yeah um, and also he's like I've got no money so whilst he's on the boat like it's all inclusive so he can have like food and stuff so he's like fucking putting bread rolls in his pocket shit like best thing you know I eat the big meals huh that's yeah. the loading it on lads yeah. so he arrives in Yokoma and says loads of racist shit about how people look and also that blackened teeth are in fashion which okay didn't know that cool all right Fair. cool fair enough and um, so he's got no dollar so he's just basically wandering around like as is pretty shit for passepartout this is a lot of time for passepartout i mean my name's john john the name is john so he wanders around until like he's hungry and he's tired and he basically just kind of like falls asleep in the street and the following day he wakes up still hungry and tired and decides to sell his european clothes in exchange for some cheap japanese ones Okay. I mean, if you can, why not? In Japanese, because so I, I looked at Japanese, in Roman times, they used to donate it to laundry places. Well, you can't donate it, you don't get money that way. Yeah, I know, but if they're running low. Um, so, I've got a full tank. i got a full tank. So, yeah, he gets cheap Japanese clothes and uh, though, then goes with the money he's got from that to go get some very cheap food. Now, he said to himself after his hearty meal, the main thing is to keep a cool head. I no longer have the option of selling this get-up for an even more Japanese-looking one. Silly. So I'll have, I'll have to devise the quickest means I can of getting off this land of the rising sun, which I won't have very fond memories of. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's sort of walking around the streets and he sees this. Just as these thoughts were going through his mind, he noticed quite by accident a huge poster that a sort of clown was carrying through the streets of Yokoma. The poster, written in English, read as follows. The Japanese acrobatics troupe of the Honourable William Bat... Bat Honourable William Bat... Again, I read wrote this earlier and I was like, at least I can pronounce that. Bat Battlecar. Yeah. The Honourable William Battlecar. Last performances before their departure for the United States of America of the Long Noses, Long Noses... The Long Noses, Long Noses. 
Thank you. Of the Long Noses, Long Noses, dedicated to the god of Tengu. Great attraction. So Tengu is a cheeky sheep. Sheep? <laughs> Shape-shifting god. Nah, he's a cheeky sheep now. He's just a cheeky little sheep. Cheeky sheep. With a long nose. With a long, long nose. A long nose, long nose. <laughs> so Passepartout um, goes uh, to basically meet the director of this troupe. And um, he's an American guy. And um, oh, and you can see, obviously, the troupe's heading to America. And he's like, you know, that's next on the stop on the way home. Uh, this is my option, isn't it? I'm going to join the troupe. So he goes to, for an audition. The director says to him, you French? Yes, I am a, Paris- a Parisian through and through. Well, in that case, you must know how to pull funny faces. Right. Wait a minute, replied Passepartout, annoyed at this reaction to the discovery of his nationality. We French people may know how to make funny faces, but no more so than you Americans. Fair enough. Well, if I don't take you on as a servant, I can take you on as a clown. Do you understand, my dear fellow? In France, they use foreigners to make people laugh. And abroad, they use Frenchmen. Oh! (laughs) Oh! Oh! Are you strong, by the way? Especially after I've had a good meal. Can you sing? Yes, answered Passepartout, who in the past had taken part in some street concerts. But can you sing upside down, spinning a top on the sole of your left foot and balancing a sword on the sole of your right foot? No. You bet, <laughs> Sure, <laughs> replied Passepartout, with memories of the first tricks he performed in his youth coming back to him. That's what it's all about, said the Honourable Batik. Battle car. <laughs> the deal was done there and then. This guy doesn't know what an audition is. We'll have to <laughs> demonstrate. Show. That's what it's all about. So he joins uh, the clown troupe of long noses. Long uh, noses, long noses. <laughs> do I do it for you? <laughs> do I do it for you? Carmy. Do I only do it for you? For me. So their long noses were made of bamboo and were about five or six or even ten feet long. Fucking Christ. Yeah, some straight, some others. <laughs> some straight, others curved, some smooth, others knobbly. Some straight, some others. Great description. They, he ran out of descriptive words after describing Iuna. Iuda. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Iuda. All the effort went into that. Yeah, some straight. <laughs> Others too. Others were there. And um, they use these boat uh, boat. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I can't fucking talk anymore. They use they, these noses, not these boners. <laughs> well, they kind of look like boners. I probably didn't slip. Yeah. Uh, they use them to balance on and do Thank tricks. You. On their faces. Yeah. Ow. Yeah. And at the end of the show, they make a human pyramid linking to each other by using their noses. And Passepartout joins as part of the base of the pyramid. I see what's going to happen here. So the end of the show comes around. Everyone's like, oh, brilliant, brilliant, great, amazing, great. And they start making the pyramids all very good. Next layer goes on. Next layer goes on. And by now, the applause was getting louder and louder. And the instruments in the orchestra were blasting out when suddenly the pyramid was. Uh-oh. Lost its balance. No, Passepartout, be strong. One of the noses at the base disappeared and the whole structure came tumbling down like a pack of cards. The cause of it all was Passepartout. Oh, dear. <laughs> who abandoned his post, got across the floodlights without even using his wings, climbed up to the right-hand gallery and then threw himself down at the feet of someone in the audience, shouting, Oh, my master, my master! Is it you? Yes, it's me! Well, in that case, let's get to the steamer, my fellow. 
Mr. Fogg, Mrs. Ayuda, who was accompanying him, and Passepartout had rushed along the corridors and out of the building. But there they came across a furious honourable battle car who was asking for compensation for the breakage. Mr. Fogg calmed him down by stuffing some banknotes into his hand. And so at half past six, just when the ship was about to leave, Mr. Fogg and Mrs. Ayuda set foot on the American steamer, followed by Passepartout with his wings on his back and six foot long nose that he hadn't yet been able to remove from his face. <laughs> Yay! Yay! So, what had happened off Shanghai is easy to work out. The signals from the tankadier had been spotted from the Yokoma steamer. Its captain, seeing the flag at half mast, had made for the little schooner. A few mo- moments later, Phileas Fogg paid for his voyage at the agreed rate, making the skipper John Bunsby richer to the tune of five hundred and fifty pounds. Then the honourable gentleman, Mrs. Ayuda and Fix, went aboard the steamer, which immediately headed off in the direction Were of. Were they not angry? I guess he paid them. Like it's your lucky day, buddy. To be fair, someone made me pull over and they were like, here's like, you know, five grand. I'm like, what? <laughs> it was like the other day when I was annoyed that they'd like messed my team around at work and I got in and they're like, we did all of this so that you could go to London with your sister. What? What? <laughs> I mean, you messed up in the first place, but what what what? Um, so yeah all good they're all heading off to Yokohama or were after arriving that very morning 14th of November at the scheduled time Phileas Fogg left fixed to his own business went on board the Carnatic (laughs) we're not friends went on board the Carnatic and there learnt to the great joy of Mrs Ayuda and perhaps to his own though he didn't let it show that the Frenchman Passepartout had in fact arrived in Yokohama that previous day So, yeah, then it goes into the rest of the chapter, I guess. Like, So, one last question. Yeah. Did they know that he was um, in the circus Ooh. act and decided to go and watch it because he knew it? And they were like, I've got some time to kill. I think. You want to see some clowns? You have to find out next time, but I think oh, pretty okay. much, like, um, got some time to kill. <laughs> I've got to see some clowns. Is that our clown? Yeah. Oh, my God. Because he's like, oh, my master, my master. Passport two? Passport two? Because he's got a massive long nose yeah, on. Yeah. Like, so, you Hey. I imagine, well, we'll go into it next time, but he probably went around the, the other consulates in Yokohama and like, anyone seen him? Anyone seen him? All right, I'll splash some cash here as well for the poor fellow. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, all right, twist my arm. Twist so, my arm. yeah. I'm glad sure. they got back together. Yes, yeah, so now they're all together and hopefully. And fixed. And in Yokohama and hopefully, I'm sorry guys, I'm definitely saying that wrong. Uh, must be really grating. And yeah, hopefully they're going to get on the boat to America. Just trip fix into the ocean and carry on your journey. I wonder what's going to happen if how much Passepartout actually remembers about being with mm. Fix before that. Are you saying, oh, you wonder? You know. <laughs> I don't remember that one. Yeah. I used to write notes on that bit. Um, so, yeah, I can't remember, like, how much Passepartout knows and if he's going to fucking deck Fix. I would. I would deck the fuck out of him. I'd fucking drown I'd the car. fix him. <laughs> I'll fix him good and proper. I want to be fixed. <laughs> I'll fix you. Right, guys, we will see you next week for the next part in the story. Bye! <laughs> For fuck's sake. Bye.